This is Leaders Who Scale, and I'm Jeff Siegel. I've worked with thousands of companies over the years, and I'm fascinated by seeing how many of them grow and scale. Join me as we learn from the leaders of growing companies and share that knowledge. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class accounting, advisory, and QuickBooks and Acumatica Cloud ERP services. Today's guest has extensive sales and operations experience. She's grown a company that she started in 2021 with three employees, one location to eight employees and two locations. And in the course of a little over a year, she's got a little over a seven figure top line revenue. She's known as the Turf Girl. She's the co-founder and senior vice president of Turf Envy. Turf Envy, just to, so everyone knows, is located in Las Vegas and has a national presence. I want to welcome Celeste Interante. Welcome, Celeste. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's early for you. I'm on the East Coast. You're out in Vegas, so it's a little <laughs> early for you. But uh, thank you for coming on and uh, appreciate your giving us your time. And I'd love to hear about your journey. Um, well, thanks for having me. So with this big growth you've had uh, with revenue and employees and locations, what is the most challenging aspect or aspects of uh, growing and scaling Turf Envy? Yeah, there's uh, actually a couple of them. Uh, the first is going to be uh, staffing employees. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. really become a problem um, post-pandemic or coming out of the pandemic to really find uh, quality employees that stick around, that haven't gone off and done their own thing, that... Mm-hmm. Um, are able to have the skill sets that are necessary or be trainable um, in order to, you know, do the work that I need mm-hmm. them to do. So employees are definitely a, a challenge for us. Yeah. Did Was it difficult? I'm just curious. You started in the middle of the pandemic, right? In 2021? Correct. I mean, was it, that must've been difficult because everybody was quarantined or we're, you know, at home. So that must've been a challenge even from day one, I assume. Actually, it was, it was kind of easy to start off because it was me and my partner and one of his loyal kind of uh, peers that he had. Mm -hmm. um, And then my sons. So I just threw the boys into it and (laughs) said, Hey, you're going to help us build this. But then it got to be uh, where we needed a different skill set. It got to be busier. We needed more uh, help. So and mm-hmm. we had to let them do what they, they wanted to do in life and try to find replacements. So, okay. So staffing is a big one. Is there, was there any other, or is there any other challenges that you're going through? A cash flow. Okay. Uh, ca- cash flow is definitely a challenge, especially for any new startup. I would think, uh, yeah. you know, we, we have been very, very blessed and fortunate to have a good first year. Um, but with a product-based company, all of your extra money is put into product. And the importing and manufacturing of artificial turf takes a while. And so all your cash flow is tied up for anywhere from six to 12 weeks, depending on how long it takes to get here. So yeah. it's definitely uh, managing that cash flow is a challenge. Yeah. Um, so tell us real quickly about maybe Turf Envy in general. Are you Obviously, it's artificial turf, um, or is that actually, that's an oxymoron, right? So artificial <laughs> turf. So artificial grass, I would say. Um, 
But yeah, just tell me, because you mentioned manufacturing. So you're not just, it doesn't sound like you're just kind of like buying it and selling it. You're actually involved in some kind of the manufacturing process or you outsource that. I'm just curious, just maybe just a little bit about Turf Envy. Yeah. Sure. So it is plastic grass in the desert, Mm -hmm. (laughs) artificial turf. Uh, And I am involved with our manufacturers uh, overseas and on this continent um, in the design and manufacture of the artificial turf. It's made similar to carpet. Mm -hmm. It's made on a big roller and it's tufted in. Um, And then the shipping and import. So we're an importer as well. Um, And I work with them on the specifications and the turf types and colors and uh, all the different pieces that go into making artificial turf Mm -hmm. and then ordering it and getting it over here and selling it out the back end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I noticed on your website, there was, I can't remember how many, 11, 12 different, I don't know, types, I guess. Is it, are they different? types for different uh applications whether it's residential or commercial or you know or just the the look and feel you know it's it's interesting is it is that uh did you come up with those types or is that kind of generic across the industry um the different types you're absolutely correct they're for residential commercial but also residential ornamental, like for a front yard or high traffic for a backyard, Mm -hmm. um, for a dog run. So there's different types of artificial grass for different applications. Commercial is a kind of a different uh, commodity that they use. Um, And so the the turf is made uh, to really give the homeowners here what they're looking for. We have an influx of new homeowners from all over the country Mm -hmm. and they're used to their yards looking a certain way and not necessarily that desert landscape that we are so known for out here. So I took the different, uh, different types of grasses from the Midwest and California and just tried to replicate that so that there was a choice in, in what uh, our customers could purchase. How did you actually get into um, turf? I mean, were, were you a landscaper, or like I'm just I'm just curious what brought you down this this path, this place? Um, I think the universe just brought the opportunity to me back in 2019. Uh, I definitely was not excited about going to work for a turf company previously, mm-hmm. um, but it it kept coming up and in, in in front of my face and. So I took a leap and joined that company, learned a lot, and decided that I really wanted to try to do something on my own a little differently. And who are you? I'm just curious who your purchaser are. Is it B2B, B2C? Like if you had to break down your um, your customer base, um, who, who would that be? Sure. So we probably sell 1% to 2% to retail. Because mm-hmm. most homeowners will hire a landscaper to install the artificial turf, uh, mostly because of education. Just the DIYers don't know the process. 96% of our business is directly to landscapers or developers okay. uh, to install it. And then about 3% is to uh, other distributors, so wholesalers. Do you have a division that actually does an installation as well? Or are you primarily just um, selling the turf? 
Turf Envy is just a supply house. Supply house. Okay. I was just curious. Um, You did. So earlier you mentioned as far as challenges is the staffing. Is it, um, how are you handling it now? Is it, I mean, obviously it's still difficult. Do these people come, do you have to train them? Do they, you know, is it just staffing for different positions, whether it's sales or are you involved? Are they involved in the, you know, obviously distribution? Is it, is it really that? kind of the warehousing you warehouse this turf as well correct okay yeah so correct and where you find everybody wants to know where to find these where to find staff right and we're all on indeed and we've got ads on you know craigslist and i'm curious have you been successful in any area of of hiring as far as finding the staff not one method has really worked honestly um i've had my fair share of no call no shows uh people that are not qualified uh, wanting high-end money mm-hmm. for a, a, um, a basic entry-level position. So it's just, I've uh, been lucky with a couple of referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, my sales team, though, I did find through Indeed, and I was very fortunate to get uh, two of them that wanted to come work for me. Right. And they've been just stellar, really, really great guys. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed even just in my own business and other people I've talked to that technology they almost supplement people with technology when that when it's short staffed. You know, they they look to other ways to be efficient in lieu of having people there. I mean, have you? What do you? What do you guys do for technology as far as your business running your business? We utilize as much technology as makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to work smarter, not harder. And there's a lot of applications out there that can help us do that, uh, record data and keep track of inventory. Uh, On the the flip side of that, there's really nothing better than a good old-fashioned face-to-face, let's have a relationship, because our buyers are repeat buyers. So they come back month after month. Mm -hmm. So having those relationships built, I feel is, you know, very important to the success of, uh, of turf envy. Yeah. So, all right. So you're growing companies growing fast. It's got nice top line revenue. You got up to two locations now. So how do you, let's talk about your kind of management. So do you have a, what's your team look like? And I'm sure with eight people, it's not really a big team. Um, so first I'm curious who you have on your, on the team, cause you're a co-founder. So there must be another co-founder. And then how do you, do you strategize? Do you meet weekly? Do you operate under kind of an operating system of some, some, some way? Like we, we use EOS, but there are many different ones out there. So I'm just, just curious how, how you're going about as you're growing, what, what your team looks like. Yeah. So uh, my co-founder actually runs the landscape company. Uh, so he uh, doesn't participate in the day-to-day operations. So I'm solely responsible for the growth and um, the numbers, so to speak, mm-hmm. of Turf Envy. Uh, I have a great admin who is my right hand, uh, has a lot of experience in accounting and administrative um, tasks and skills. Nice. So I rely on her a lot. Uh And then in California, I'm just kind of getting that going. We've been doing some sales uh, out of there, Uh, getting close to six figures. Um, 
but I'm back and forth. Actually, I leave tonight and I'll be back tomorrow night. So I spend one and a half to two days wow. a week uh, flying into uh, California and working out there with uh, growing that location. Do, do you have a lot of um, competition in this market? There's, I mean, turf's been around a long time. And so I'm just curious, what's what's that industry look like? Is it, you know, is it very, uh, is there are a lot of business doing what you're doing or is it, you know, just people are just kind of doing it, you know, not as a full business. In Las Vegas, uh, we have uh, 11 or 12 turf suppliers, including the star nurseries and the home depots and that kind mm-hmm. of uh, entity. Uh, I believe that there's six or seven that are directly at our level uh, or, or more yeah. successful okay. uh, that we directly compete with. In and California, how do you, there's a lot yeah. more, I believe. How did, um, so someone who's expanding, cause that's what you're doing. Um, how did you, how did you basically open up the California branch? So you're in, you're in Vegas, you're the co-founders at landscaper as well. I'm sure in Vegas too. Um, so how did, how did you say, look, I'm going to open up a branch in our location in California. What's the, for somebody who's nervous about leaving their, their, their local area, what's that look like to you? What, how did that happen for you? We, um, we had a, uh, a large landscape company that we were servicing in California and realized that we needed a location there. Once we got the location, they went elsewhere with their supply. So now here we have this California <laughs> location. But uh, we also looked at it um, strategically following kind of the drought pattern. So we have a drought issue out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're in Riverside, California. And so that typically is a hotter, more arid, dry part of California. It's not coastal where it's, you know, lush and a little bit more moisture out there. Knowing that where we needed to strategize our location, we picked that area because of the hyper growth out there, plus the little bit more of a, of a inland desert type uh, uh, environment. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't proven to be a bad decision. So we're, we're starting to see the growth and the traction uh, in that area. But that's, that's why we chose that uh, region of California. Yeah. It, yeah. Is that location, is it like a, like a showroom and small warehouse? Like, what does that look like from a, from a location point of view? Yeah. So we're in just an industrial complex. We've okay. got about 14,000 square feet, um, 600 square foot office showroom that mm-hmm. we're building out. Uh, and we've, you know, got turf use yeah. it as a distribution mm-hmm. hub right now. We've got turf. Okay. It's a you got turf. Like logo. We've got turf. Right. Yeah. <laughs> is it tough getting the word? Like you, I assume you have a, a salesperson down there. So is it, you know, they just kind of um, hit all the landscapers more or less, let them know that you're there and you've got, you've got turf. Yeah. Yes. So. That, and it's starting to grow and landscapers know other landscapers. And so the beauty in that is if you find somebody that's got the big talking, you know, Hey, go here. Hey, go here. This is where mm-hmm. I get my stuff. 
we're starting to have more and more, probably picking up one to two new landscapers a week out there. Oh, that's awesome. And then also looking for who could resell our product. So how do we get it into uh, a distributor out there to sell into their clients? Mm-hmm. And so, so another question for you as kind of the, sounds like the primary operator of the business. That's the, um, Co- the other co-founder has a landscape company. Are you, how, how, where do you spend most of your time? Do you spend much in the, you know, working in the business? Or like, are you going, are you like, you know, looking at the manufacturing process, figuring out, you know, like more the, you know, uh, who are we going to sell to like more strat, you know, more like um, working in the business versus on the business where, Hey, you know, we want to hit these numbers next year, or we want to go into this location, like, where do you spend most of your time? Or is it difficult to kind of cross, you know, do both, both of those things? I probably am 50-50. I'm still okay. very involved in the operations. If there's, uh, when we were down a warehouse person and a customer came in, I'm in the warehouse, cutting turf, loading the truck, mm-hmm. unloading a truck if there is material being brought in. Um, if my admin's off, I work the front desk and interact with customers but then I also uh, definitely strategize and plan out, you know, our quarters and what we're going to be, uh, you know, working towards in order to continue to expand. Okay. No, that's good. Yeah. And I suppose as you expand even more, you'll probably be working more on it than, like you said, going down there and cutting turf. So, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you mentioned, we talked earlier, but you said it's a family business and you, um, you value people in culture. So talk about that. I mean, it sounds like you, you, you said, yeah, you had a couple of your boys working on the business and yeah, I'm curious how that all that's all working out. It has worked out for you. It, it worked out really well. Um, my youngest son is in college for software engineering. So he set up all of our applications and our workflows and our processes, uh, sets up our phones and our computers. And so he takes care of all of the IT uh, mm-hmm. which is really nice and saves us the money. Um, my oldest is more of a hands-on. He knows electri- uh, electrical. He's done, you know, uh, construction. And so he came in and helped us run some electrical lines that we needed to uh, kind of fortify our demise walls so we didn't put holes through it with the turf. <laughs> um, deliveries and and different things like that. So in the beginning, it was uh, just trying to move turf and set up the company at the same time. It was a little mm-hmm. chaotic, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I have a belief that uh, I really follow Marcus Limonis and his philosophy in companies where it's people, processes, and profits. Mm-hmm. And so I really put my staff and my team first. And yeah. Go to bat for them. The customer's not always right. And any mistakes we can fix on the back end. So I, you know, there's a, a level of accountability, but then there's also a, a level of grace. Mm, yeah. And they feel uh, important. And so we have a very good culture here. Um, you come in and it's fun. Everybody shows up every day. So I figure that they... <laughs> And probably low turnover, hopefully, it sounds like everyone. My yeah. core group, low turnover. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's hard to 
it's hard to you can't just force culture right so and it does start from the top so it's it's nice nice to hear that that's how you you promote it everyone likes it um yeah that, that's 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 good um so as far as you mentioned even cash flow is one of your challenges how far out do you have to like there's a couple of questions here so you have to manage how much inventory you have in stock so i'm not sure what that turnover looks like so how do you um I'm not sure that the lead time is, first of all. So how do you estimate what you need to have, like as a business owner for, for uh, inventory? Because you are laying it out, that cash out, very much in advance of when you're selling those pro- that product. Absolutely. And that process um, can be tough. Yeah. So when, uh, when I order over in Asia, the lead time is production is 20 to 30 days. Okay. Um, production. And it doesn't necessarily mean that when I send them you know, my deposit that they then start on it that day, it's got to fit in the cycle and they have to pull all of the materials and put my materials on. So mm-hmm. um, it's a week to two weeks delay before production starts. And then it's 20 to 30 days into production. And then they have to schedule um, the shipping space on the ship and the container has to be ordered and it has to be at the port three days before the ship leaves. That's a, a requirement. So it's got to sit there for three days. Then it gets loaded on the ship and then it comes over. And the shortest time that it could take is 14 days to get here. The longest time could be 21, depending on the route that the okay. ship takes. The ship also can change their route mid-course, depending on if the port is backed up or not. So last year, that was a huge problem because what would take, you know, about 18 days to get here was taking 25 to 30 days as they were rerouting themselves to go up to Northern California and then come down to LA or Long Beach just because it was so backed up. So it sounds like it could be 60 to 90 days before you get the product, right? From the date you order it. Yeah. A couple of months or it could be even more than that production and. So how how do you, so it must be, it must've been tough even initially. And I'm not sure how tough it is now to schedule, you know, cause you have 11 plus different types of turf too, right? So have you ever gotten to a situation where you may have ordered too much of one style and it just hasn't sold yet? Or, you know, um, are you trying to order based on some kind of your own orders from your own landscapers? Because they can't wait that long, typically, right? I mean, they need to right. have it stock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so an example is uh, two weeks ago on a Friday, I got 16,000 square feet of our highest premium turf in, and I sold out in 72 hours. Oh, I did not expect that to happen. Yeah. So even when you plan based on your run rates and your consumption rates and your sales rates, and you look at all these figures... It's really about paying attention to what's going on in the in, in your community out here, uh, the HOAs and a lot of the um, uh, parks and place they're replacing their turf because they have to. And so even my co- competitors are having challenges keeping turf in stock. And there are certain turf types that seem to go faster than others because they're unique. Mm-hmm. And we all have a unique turf style. And so as much as you try to plan, (laughs) I don't keep enough turf in stock for it to sit here. 
I have a lot of it sold before it even gets to my warehouse. Wow. So you're basically constrained by your supply, sounds like, right? Yes. Probably double your business if you had the stock and, you know, yeah. Yep. Now that's a good problem. Well, good problem to have. It's a different type of a problem, but uh, yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, Is there any specific challenges you have besides the overall, obviously cash flow, which obviously you have to have some kind of maybe a line in place or, you know, enough cash reserve built up to pay for this stuff. Obviously staffing is, is tough. Is there any like current, like, Hey, today, you know, this is the big challenge we're having, whether it's technology, whether it's customers, whether it's anything, is there anything more specific or current day challenges? Um, for me, I, I think that the biggest challenge right now is education on turf. Okay. Uh, I I see a lot of people not really understanding how turf works um, and how it performs and it's just an education. And so we're working on a uh, marketing strategy um, with blogs and social media posts to really start educating people on what to expect when they have turf installed. Mm. Because a lot of them don't realize it gets hot. You can't play on it in the summer. You'll, (laughs) You'll burn your feet. Um, that it doesn't, uh, it does require maintenance, not a whole lot, but you might need to do some things to it. If you have pets and they potty on it, yes, it's gonna have an odor, but there are things that people can do. And so I get a lot of these calls and emails about these questions. And so we've just created uh, a series of how to educate, uh, consumers out there on, on turf. Yeah, because it seems like most of your customers are landscapers, but the consumer is really the get the beneficiary of the turf. So it sounds like there could be an opportunity like you're doing now with the education, but maybe even like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether there's accessories, like cleaning supplies and things that you can actually sell direct to consumers. I, I mean, I, I have no idea because I, I don't have turf, but I mean, that sounds like it could be another just little offshoot. Um you know, to people who have turf, yeah. I, do they, do they ever have to replace a piece of it can, or can they, let's say something gets ruined for whatever reason, can they actually, you know, it's like a rug cut out like the, you know, like these, now they sell the rugs and squares for commercial yeah. buildings. You pull up the square <laughs> and put a new one down. I mean, it, I'm probably, you know, showing my ignorance when it comes to turf, but. But I'm curious as a consumer, if I was a consumer, is there a place I can, things I could, I should be buying or watching to do, you know, to, to keep it maintained or fixed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, we carry specific products to uh, an infill called T-Cool that cools the turf. So mm-hmm. we're the distributor here in Nevada. Uh, we also carry OxyTurf, which is an EPA registered cleaning product. Okay. Uh, definitely what we recommend it's written into our warranty as the cleaning product of choice. Those items we do sell directly to homeowners. So they'll come in looking oh, nice. for different solutions. Um, we sell a lot to landscapers. Again, it's just an education piece. Um, yes. If turf is like a dog digs it up or you, a, a piece burns, uh, you can get it replaced. Think of turf though, like carpet. 
is that if you buy carpet last year and you go to try to buy a a replacement piece to fix this year, the color might not match. Same thing with dye lots and turf. They, they come in in certain runs of colors. And so they could be off just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Most of the turf, uh, that we manufacture out here has a UV protectant. So you're not going to get much fading if you get a good quality turf, mm-hmm. but where the difference is going to be is in that color run in the, in the dye of the yarn. Yeah. Have you sold much turf? I'm on the East coast. Um, have you sold much on, over here? Like, or is most, most of the um, styles really geared towards like the West coast or, you know, Vegas or that area? I, uh, in the research that I've done, like Georgia is mm-hmm. starting to become popular with, uh, in the Atlanta market okay. with turf, Florida is really, uh, kind of a hot spot for turf, believe it or not. Hmm. Um, the drainage isn't really a consideration in kind of those wetter areas, like even Seattle and Oregon have a, a pretty good turf yeah. uh, business up there where we're focused on is we currently um, sell products into Utah, Arizona, Nevada, and California. So we're we're looking to kind of stay in this west west of Texas. So Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, um, and up into Colorado is probably mm-hmm. where we're going to have locations. Yeah, uh, that's our five year plan. Okay, no, that sounds good. Yeah, you could take over that whole west west coast or western part of the country Um, have you ever thought of doing um franchises like setting up other people you know with and you be the supplier and set you know setting them up absolutely yeah yeah i've got interest in one uh actually in florida wow so we're talking to a gentleman out there who likes our products and our company and is looking to set up out there yeah no that sounds great i it just uh it's a great story especially where and i keep going back to the fact that you started what less than two years ago 20 you know and you've grown uh at two locations which sound like you know revenue is increasing and so it's just wonderful with eight people right now which doesn't even seem like a lot for what you're doing um it almost seems like you need more i'm not you know it, just for I the do. revenue growth. <laughs> <laughs> like we said earlier, challenges, right? Staffing. Right. <laughs> so um, but the education market sounds great too, because um not that not they actually need to do it because you keep growing, but you know, educating the consumer as well as the landscaping. Do you ever get involved in like helping the like a design build where they come to you and say, Hey, we're trying to design this, you know, um, landscaping for someone and we want to put turf over here and what do you suggest? And, you know, that's that type of thing. Do you, do you get we're, involved that? Yeah. we're definitely involved in that. And uh, that's the part of this whole process that I love. My, I come from construction. My dad was a developer. And so being out on the job site is a lot of fun actually. And so our sales team, including myself, we will go out into a job site and help you measure and design and lay out and figure out the best way uh, to put the turf in. My, my whole position with turf is it's a conservation effort. Mm-hmm. So we help save water. And so the last thing I want to do is have a lot of this plastic sitting in a landfill somewhere. So if I could be 
a help to figure out the best way to lay it with the least amount of waste, um, that's better for our environment as well because Mm -hmm. plastic doesn't biodegrade. It just sits there. Uh, so we try to recycle. We try to send it back. We There are other countries that this stuff is exported to and reused. So we, we try to look at it from that conservation environmental aspect as well. So participation in those design builds is absolutely fun and important. Yeah, I know. It sounds like it would be. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. So I'm a consumer, let's say, and actually in reality, I could be. I have a small house on a lake with kind of like the sand um, and a little fire pit. And, you know, I got weeds growing up through the sand and everyone keeps saying you should put down an artificial grass. Would I be a good candidate for one of your turf products? Just in general. I mean, there gets there's sun and then, you know, um, oh, mostly sun. So, yeah, I'm just curious. But on sand, so... I assume these landscapes have to lay a base and do a lot of work. Is that pretty much what would happen? Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's a, there's a, uh, you know, a process that's step-by-step. And so uh, you have to prepare the area. So if you have a lot of sand, you'd have to figure out how to create a sub base so that the sand doesn't settle and uh, use a white chat, which once mm-hmm. it's kind of hardened and compacted, it's, almost like a concrete so you can walk on it and it's not gonna like a stone uh, dust almost almost like that yep um and it gives a very firm surface for the turf to lay on and then you put the turf on and then you nail the turf into the chat and the nails rust pretty quickly and it creates a bond and that helps hold the turf down so you can run on it and it's not going to slide like you know, your hallway carpet on wood floor, (laughs) (laughs) go anywhere. Um, So it just, it really depends on, you know, what the underlying material materials uh, is. Yep. And do you ever have to, you mentioned earlier, some of these places are replacing turf. Like it, does it have a life to it um, somehow? Or I'm just curious. Um, Yeah. With regular, uh, Regular use and regular care and maintenance, you could get 18 to 20 years out of your turf. Oh, okay. If you buy a good quality turf. Turf yeah. NV's warranty is a 15-year limited. So you mm-hmm. get eight years uh, manufacturer warranty, and then we add an additional seven years okay. to that, um, yeah. kind of at a prorated warranty. Yeah, and that must be tough. to. Uh, you must have to track all that with, like, in your accounting system. And so You said you use QuickBooks, I think, earlier before this yep. call or this podcast, which I'm a big um, advocate. So it's um, <laughs> <laughs> what we work on. And I think you actually said you use spot sheets for like um, project planning and things like that. You know, it's, yes. it's a pretty powerful program. Yeah. Yes. So smart sheets holds all of our data as far as the cuts, the customer, the roll numbers. So it has the die lot mm-hmm. uh, attached to it. So if there's a warranty claim, when we do deliveries, we take photographs of our deliveries. So we have all of that data to help us as a company because there are people that will come back and say, you cut it wrong. You didn't deliver this. Um, and so then we have the verification to show that it was. Unfortunately, I've had some thefts of sure. property right after we've delivered. So it's... it's uh, Right. It's crazy. <laughs> it happens everywhere. You hear about like these contractors will like put in new appliances and they'll come back the next day and they've all been stolen. There's, you know, and depending on 
the area they've been in. So yeah, I can imagine you dropping off a load of turf and it, you know, walking away at some point for some customers. Yeah. So cool. Um, but so getting back real quick before I switch over to you, um, the because of the the management team is smaller, right? Because you only have eight, and it's you and your co-founder. Do you do you get together? Or is it mostly you that kind of plans the strategy? I mean, do you have like whether it's rec- like monthly meetings or quarterly or you know weekly where you kind of sit down and go over more like strategy as you're growing? Like, what are the big thing? What are the big to dos that we have to do as a fir- as a company? Do we want to open up a new location over here? Do we need to hire another? salesperson or a biz dev person or is that mostly you just or is it is it a is there a process that you go through for that yeah no we're we're in uh direct communication every week and so mm-hmm. for landscaping right now it's the busy season so oh, we didn't yeah. we don't plan a lot of uh one-on-one but when it's slower we meet weekly and have lunch and mm-hmm. kind of go over some of the bigger decisions that we need to make uh, as far as partnerships go. But when it comes to the day-to-day, who to hire, who to fire, uh, the sales, what kind of turf to order, all of that is, is what I take care of. What you do. Okay. Yes. Did you have a good, um, what I call a processor, um, which is the person who dots the eyes across the like that kind of comes in behind you, make sure everything's kind of like documented and there's the contracts or, it's not all in your head. Like, is there a person in your firm like that? Or right now, is it mostly you doing all that? You know? It's mostly me, but I believe in having written procedure, policies and procedures. Okay. And then SOPs on how to do things. So we've yeah. developed, uh, if I'm not here and there's Debbie, my admin has a question, she can go to the SOP and take care of the task because mm-hmm. it's all written down there for her. Did you develop those yourself? You said, oh, that's awesome. And what, what I'm just curious, what kind of tool do you have like in a Word document, Excel sheet that you you kind of use? Okay. A Word document. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's so much technology out there that every time I turn around, there's SOP technology now. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Where was that a year and a half ago? There's like process (laughs) street and yeah, no, they're, they're all over the place. So that's, I was curious what you use, but I'm sure as you grow, you may end up using some of that other technology to automate things. Everything now is about automation. So, and that we're, yep. we're so, so enough about company. Let's just, you know, really quickly chat about you. Like, I'm just curious your background, how you get, you know, uh, we briefly talked about how you got involved, but um, just, you know, take us back to, you know, where'd you go to school? Did you grow up in Nevada or, you know, you know, to be just uh, let us know how, where you came sure. from. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, born and raised in Orange County, California. Okay. Uh, graduated Orange High, got married right out of high school. Um, went to college, uh, University of Minnesota Crookston. Got a degree in physical therapy. Eventually, moved to Texas and started practicing. Wow. And nice. practiced physical therapy until. Um, 2012. Uh, lived in Seattle for a few years. Uh, hmm. Started you, my you kind of bounced around a little bit. In physical therapy, you tend to get recruited as like I, I was a rehabilitation director, so I was managing rehab units, uh, and so 
you work for a large company and you do, you grow, I'm a, I'm a builder. I like mm-hmm. to grow yep. things yep. and you start growing programs and revenue. They say, Hey, we need you over here. So then they'll move you over here to manage this and grow this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, it just started getting very um, corporatized. Healthcare yeah. is very corporate and profit driven right now, not patient. Excuse me. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. My my girlfriend's in medical. She runs a lab in a hospital and she said same thing. It's all about profits. And if we can cure some patients along the way, that's great. Yep. <laughs> you know, that, that's yep. her. And that's not her. That's her opinion of what's happening. Not that way she feels personally. But yeah. So but so you yeah. did that dissuade you like you want to get out of the field, essentially. Or, yeah. yeah. The 2012, I decided to uh, launch my entrepreneurial journey. My dad was a developer, so I grew up watching my dad be a successful entrepreneur. Awesome. And um, in 2018, my sister bought a condo out here in Vegas. And so early that year through the summer, I would come out here with her and we were renovating that condo. So we were always out here buying stuff and, you know, Red Rock and all the great restaurants off the strip. And I just really Lake Mead and I fell in love with Las Vegas and the Valley. So 2018, next month is actually four years. Uh, I made the move and came out here and decided uh, in 2019, I just, wanted to get a job because being in a new city and an entrepreneur is really a challenge. Yeah. You don't know the people, you know, it's just, you're starting from zero, you know, especially the connections, there is no connections, right? Right. (laughs) I knew nobody except my sister. That was it. Nobody. Um, So I had this opportunity uh, for sales and I took it. And it was working with landscapers and I'd go out on the job site. So I felt very comfortable and I just, I loved it. I love serving people. And that's really what our business does is we serve people. And that's the the story goes. Yeah. (laughs) So from physical therapy to uh, turf. So (laughs) and from California to Minnesota to Texas, Seattle and Vegas, right? I think that's the route you just mentioned. (laughs) Yeah. We all end up where we're supposed to be, right? I mean, that's what they say. So, yes. yeah. Well, and we, where can people find you? I mean, I found you on LinkedIn under Celeste and Tarante, right? Um, right. You have a website? So, yep. It's uh, turfenvusa.com. And it's NV, the letter N and the letter V, right? Or not? How does it, what's, your, what's yep, the website? It's either, yep. Yeah. So, turfnv.com or turfnvusa.com. Okay. We kind of rebranded. So we started as Turf NV with Turf Envy being the play on the words and the Sure. But then we kind of rebranded as we started with a marketing company to Turf Envy ENVY and then all of our social media is Turf Envy USA cuz we're going to be across the country. Yeah, so, yep. Any of our social media, it's Turf Envy USA. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I this was great. I, I learned a lot. I would love to even like in a year reach out again and say, all right, how many locations are you at? <laughs> you know, what's your 
you know, employee count, you know, lo- just love to hear more about your journey because we're under two years. So at three or four, it'd be just wonderful to see where you're at. Um, Cause it sounds like, like you said, you're a builder. So you, this is going to keep going, you know, it's going to keep growing, which is ironic because turf doesn't grow, but um, right. <laughs> play on words. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, this is great. So I, you know, Celeste, I appreciate your time. I know it's early in where you are from where I am. Um, I want to thank the people who are listening and watching. And hopefully if you, hopefully you learned something and, and please like it and share it with others. Um, we, we try to bring on great leaders like Celeste. And um, again, I encourage everyone to share. And I want to thank Celeste again. This is awesome. I just, uh, I learned something every time I talk to new leaders. Have a good and, time. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And um, hopefully we'll reach out in a year. So this has been another episode of Leaders Who Scale. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at leaderswhoscale.com. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions providing world-class services and cutting-edge tools that help businesses grow and succeed.